Hey team, welcome back to the show. Today, Coach Andrea and I join you for another Q&A. Let's go ahead and just get right into the questions. All right, so I'm going to kick the first one over to you, Coach Andy, which is reverse dieting. At 1,600 calories, I started at 600. Weight has oh. been going down until now, um, but now I'm maintaining slash seeing less loss. Is this normal? Yeah. So the point of reverse dieting is not really to continue to lose weight. It's to find your maintenance calories. So you may be getting closer to finding your maintenance calories in that case. Um, I'd be super curious to know, like, what is this person's body weight and activity and like maybe a few more things because 1600 for a lot of people is still going to be fairly low. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's completely normal. You're finding your maintenance. And so eventually it is going to slow down. You're not just going to continue to work your calories up to three, four, five thousand calories and continue to see the scale tick down. That wouldn't make any sense. So completely normal. Yeah. As you said, like the goal of a reverse diet really isn't to see weight losses again, just get back to maintenance, improve biofeedback. Um, and realistically, if it was like, hey, I started at 1600 or 600 calories, which is incredibly low. And then I got, unless you like are a 70 pound person, um, then I, and I like got back up to 1600 and I'm suddenly losing more on this higher calorie intake. That's again, like there's so much misinformation about like how reverse dieting works out there where it's not that like some um like this metabolic magic to where like suddenly i'm losing more but i'm also eating more rather it is like it's it's incredibly unlikely that someone's actually able to eat 600 calories consistently like you would feel absolutely awful energy would be through the floor it'd be so hard to get in like our micronutrient needs um realistically like typically like a lot of individuals start coaching saying like hey i'm only eating like 1200 1100 calories per day and i'm not losing weight and then it's okay, we're going to start you at like 1500, 1600, right? Something we estimate to be a deficit, but still reasonable. And suddenly it's like, oh, wow, I'm losing, right? Where in reality, what happens there is because it's just not quite so restrictive to like try to keep your calories so low, we're just able to be more consistent with that intake. So, thus over time, like over the course of a couple of weeks, because again, a lot of times for people who are like Hamiltonian, 600 calories, 1000 calories, it's like, yeah, uh, like, maybe a couple of days of the week we're doing that. And then it's like, it's so hard to stick to that, that I have like these nights where I go way over or I'm on weekends. I go dramatically over and kind of compensate for that. So thus the net calories for the week are actually a lot higher than like what it appears on those low days. So again, like that's what so many people, there's so much out there. Like this person was eating 1200 calories. We started them on a reverse diet. Now they're eating 2200 calories and they're leaner than they were before. I don't like adding muscle during that time. Yeah, that'll help. But a lot of times, like it is kind of an illusion with, hey, actually, if we look at like what they were consistently eating, it was actually more than we thought. Similarly, if it's like we're changing your food sources, right? So suddenly um, we're like working in more filling foods where we're focusing on the satiety of the foods. Again, like your overall volume, which is something we focus on a lot with clients in situations like this. It can feel like you're eating so much more. When the reality we're eating same the same amount or less like i had a client who just got started shout out to cassie um who like that's what she emailed me day one like a picture of her meal and she's like is this right like i know <laughs> we took her down from like 2300 to i think like 18 1900 um and it was like uh this just seems like so much more food than i normally eat right and it was no absolutely like you nailed it it's just um 
we are focusing on really maximizing the satiety, like getting plenty of volume within your meals so that I would rather like someone start a diet and feel like this is a lot of food. I feel extremely full, but I'm still losing versus like, oh my gosh, I'm so hungry. So um, yeah, I would say as well though, like, as you said, like reverse dieting, it's a lot of people put out there that, yeah, you shouldn't be losing weight on reverse diets. But again, I think it's just a misunderstanding of like how it actually works. Where again, if it's like, we're giving someone a calorie intake, they can adhere to more. We're improving their food intake, like what their food composition looks like so that it does feel like we're eating more food. Even if the overall calorie density is lower, we're oftentimes focusing on other lifestyle habits, like getting someone eating more, getting someone training, tracking um, accurately, right. Tracking accuracy, things of that nature then suddenly it may appear like we're eating a lot more, but we're losing when again, in reality, it's oftentimes like, Hey, we actually are still eating less than we were prior. Do you have anything else to add there? I would, like I said, I really want to know a little bit more. If this person wants to DM me (laughs) and talk to me about this, you might want to continue pushing it beyond 1600 too. If your goal is to Mm -hmm. like find your maintenance calories and, and stay there for a while or build muscle or something other than continue to lose fat. But if you get up to 1600 calories and you've raised your calories by a thousand per day and you're still losing and your goal is fat loss, then I think you've done a really great job and you could just hang out there for a bit. It's probably way more sustainable. And then once you're done with that, then get your calories up to true maintenance. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. Can I do OMAD, which stands for one meal a day and lose fat fast? Um, Or is fasting not a concern as long as I'm in a deficit? Yeah. I think one meal a day, I think that's a great idea. If you eventually like, if you want to get there, but not actually have the result you want and <laughs> kind of have to start the entire process over. Like, um, talked a lot about on the female fat loss series with Brandon, the cruise that we've been recording about how terrible of an idea fasting generally is for women for so many reasons. Like from a muscle growth perspective, it seems to be a larger net negative versus, um, like going into our training fed, so like that would be a big, that would be a very legitimate concern, um, from a menstrual cycle perspective, going to be a much larger negative, um, and much, much more likely to cause menstrual cycle disruptions as a whole, just again, like similarly, um, from like a stimulating muscle protein synthesis, right? If our goal is, if your goal is like, all I care about is seeing the scale go down. What I'll say is everyone who starts with that goal, there's, when you get there, what you're going to see is like, oh, wow. Well, now I feel like I just essentially look skinny fat. And now I need to kind of like take things back six months and take a completely different approach to this. Right. Um, so again, I wouldn't look at like, what can I do to lose fat as fast as possible, but how can I achieve the best possible body composition? Right. And again, like if we're only eating one meal a day, we're only stimulating muscle protein synthesis through our nutrition once per day. Right. Whereas at least getting like three or four bolses of protein throughout the day, that is going to be much more superior for muscle growth. Um, man, I feel like there's just going to be so many negatives to that and no positives that I can see. It's again, when we match the overall calorie deficit, um, eating one meal versus three meals, isn't going to be superior, right? There's nothing magic about fasting. There's definitely nothing magic about one meal a day. It just is a good, it's just essentially a way for us to eat in such a small window that we can't eat that many calories. But again, you're really going to struggle to get in your protein needs. And even then, again, it'll be far from optimal from a muscle growth perspective. 
Um, you're going to struggle to get in all the micronutrients you need to actually support a healthy body, healthy hormones, um, support your thyroid, things of that nature. Like there's just truly so many negatives, unless you're someone who's like morbidly obese and like the best thing you can do for your health is lose as quickly as possible, which I don't think is the case here. I think it's a terrible idea. Do you have anything else to add there? Yeah, not really. I think you pretty much covered it. I think it's a really terrible idea. Most people, you know, they think that they're looking for weight loss because the the look that they want maybe is lighter than what they're at right now. But if you were to compare um, like your same shape, but just a lighter scale weight versus 20 pounds heavier than that scale weight, but you have the physique that you really want, you would choose the 20 pounds heavier physique every single time. So like, chasing just the number on the scale alone. Like, of course we, we in fat loss with our clients, we want to see the scale going down. Cause that's a good metric for, we are seeing some things change, but it's not just right. as quickly as possible, regardless of the outcome and the consequences consequences and all that. So like, if you get to that lightest weight, but now you have ha- half of that burned off is muscle mass your metabolic rate is so much lower. You look way different than what you wanted to. You are like way weaker, like just all of these negatives that come along with that. So I feel like you covered it and I'm just summarizing it in a different way. But- no, but that's a one last point I would like to touch on as well is the going about that in that manner, that one meal a day, you're going to be much more likely to lose muscle tissue, right? From like us going into training fasted or not having a ton of nutrients post-workout um, from the, from a muscle protein synthesis perspective. And when we look at the body fat overshooting effect, which again, is something that has come up on the podcast quite a bit lately. Um, similarly with like the people who, um, like one of the main issues they're seeing with like semaglutide or ozempic is so many people just aren't eating, right. They're under eating protein and a lot aren't training. And again, if we manage these things, well, it's not a problem, but what that leads to is a lot of the weight that you're losing is muscle mass. And I would say a very similar thing is likely to occur here if we're only doing one meal a day. So at the end of that fat loss phase, again, you lost a lot of weight. Some of it's body fat, some of it is muscle. But then when we look at the body fat overshooting effect, basically what happens there is you experience something called hyperphagia, which is essentially just an intense drive to eat more because your body wants to regain that muscle tissue that it has lost. Right. And to an extent, like us eating more food will help regain some of that muscle tissue. But the thing is, we gain body fat back at a quicker rate than we gain muscle fat back, muscle, not muscle fat, muscle <laughs> mass back at. So, thus, by the time you've regained most of that muscle that you lost, and your body kind of lets the uh, kind of puts the brakes on this high insatiable hunger, um, you've regained more fat than you've lost. So, again, it's just like I think most approaches like that are a similar to like all the shit out there that's like just drink these shakes and and again like i will say i think there's there's nothing that's like there's no application here i think just oftentimes it's misapplied right where this is a completely different context versus someone who is like hey the best possible thing we can do for your health right now is just get you losing as quickly as possible um but again i think that this is very much like a a short-term gratification for long term it doesn't even get you to where you want to go but also makes it a lot less likely that you'll be able to sustain that result. For women too, there is such a thing as being too um, low in calorie, even just through like specific parts of the day, if that makes sense. So like you could be mm-hmm. in calorie balance, but if you've spent the entire 23 hours of the day in like an extreme calorie deficit, that can also mess with your hormones. And so just taking that 
let's say you have a 1500 calorie meal at the end of the day to lose weight. If you just take that and spread it out, even into three, which I don't even think is optimal, but into three or four feedings throughout the day, even at the same calorie intake, you're going to have so much better um, uh, physical, hormonal outcomes, not even talking about the physique aspect of it. Absolutely. And those very much to carry over to the physique aspect as well. Right. Exactly. Cool. Cool. All right. Last one. I'm going to kick over to you. Um, for warm up sets, how many, how many reps per set, what percentage of working weight to use? And what is the difference between a warm up set and top slash back off set? Um, I am such a horrible example at this. I need to do so much better with warming up well, as I proved last week, pulling a muscle. <laughs> um, so warm-up sets, uh, it does, there's not any specific science to it. Usually two to four sets, depending on what you're doing. So the heavier compound set that you're doing, the more you need to warm up usually because you're working more joints um, that that need to get warm, more muscles, and you're working up to a heavier top weight. So um, for something like a hack squat or barbell back squat, something like that, you'll probably want like three to four warm up sets. Whereas with something like a cable row or a single joint movement, you might only need a couple. So usually how I'll frame this is um, you'll start out with five to six reps of about 50% of your working weight. And then the next set, you're going to go up to about 70% of your working weight, then about 80, 85% of your working weight, and then 90, 95% of your working weight. And then you get to what the other, the person also asked is your top set. And so your top set is going to be the heaviest, most intense set. Usually if I'm framing it as top sets and back off sets, I'll have that as first. Um, There's a lot of different ways to approach this also. Like everyone's definition of top set and back off set, I think is different as well. So keep that in mind. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But the way that I usually frame it is like, this is your first set. It's the most intense. It's usually to failure. And, um, it's your, like, just like your hardest set. And so you're working your way up through those warm up sets to your top set. Um, you kind of empty the tank, then you take a good amount of rest. And then for me with back off sets, I'll usually frame those as um, one to two reps in reserve. So if you're able on your top set to get 10 reps and that's two failure, then you know your next couple of sets would be eight or nine reps, leaving yeah. one or two left in the tank. And so you're still getting a lot of volume in those last two back off sets. And you're also um, still taking it pretty close to failure. I mean, a one to two RIR is very difficult. So it's not like easy sets that are, that don't do anything. Um, so that's how I frame it. People will also do like um, uh, ramp up sets where it's kind of like the reverse of what I just said. And then your top set is your last one where you empty mm-hmm. the tank there's all different ways of doing it. And I don't think that there's any necessarily right or wrong. You had to um, just try it <laughs> and see. Um, I, I have some clients who I'll go to one zero RIR across three sets where the last one they're emptying the tank and that's easier for them because they know they're not going to have to go again after that. Yeah. And then I'll have some who really like to do that top set when they're fresh and mentally it's easier to gear up for a top set first. So like I said, there's different ways of doing it. There's not a right or wrong. Yeah, no, I fully agree. Yeah, with the warm-up sets, I also think that this is one thing I've seen where um, a couple of clients have had to talk through like, hey, we're overthinking this way too much, right? This doesn't mm-hmm. need to be a stressful thing. Basically, just once you feel good, 
get into the movement, like, and start pushing yourself. But on the flip side, don't just like ham and load up the leg press with my working weight and start right here without <laughs> taking some time to like take our joints through the full range of motion. That's essentially like we want to bring some blood flow to the area. Yeah. We want to take the joint, those joints or joints that we're going to be training through their full range of motion, <clears throat> especially for like deep knee flexion. I think like exposing your knees to that, like in range where we're driving our knees way forward over our toes <clears throat> with a lighter load or no load. That's just so beneficial because otherwise for most people, it just feels absolutely terrible. Yeah. How many um, times do you do that through the day? Like never, you're never right. in super deep knee flexion and then you immediately go load it up. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so, um, I'll typically say like, Hey, on your first squat hinge, your first like squat or lunge, consider those two interchangeable, <clears throat> your first hinge, um, if we're doing one, your first upper body push and your first upper body pull. And those are typically going to be like your compound movements. We are going to probably want to do something like three-ish warm-up sets, right? Where that first set probably use about 50% of the weight that you'd expect. And I'd typically say like anywhere between eight and 12 reps, um, throw a little bit more weight on, let's bump up to like 70%, do something like four to six reps. Maybe throw a little bit more weight on if you feel good. If you feel like it's needed, maybe we do another at like three to five at like 80 to 90. And then I really like, I personally really like to just grab just one rep with the working weight just to get a feel for it. That's only for my lower body movements, for my upper body movements, it doesn't feel needed. But for my lower body movements, I like to like get a good feel for, okay, this is what my working weight is actually going to be. And then you can get into it. But on the flip side, if it's like, hey, I do two sets there and I feel good, then it's okay to just hop right into it as well. I also really try to sequence clients' programs because, and that's something where it's not like I take like, it's not like take two minutes rest between all your warm-up sets. Um, it's again, I think it's so easy to overthink it. Or I've talked to a couple of clients as far as like, hey, you don't need to leave me notes as far as what your warm-up sets are. Like this is just, <laughs> as long as we feel good, we're good to get into it. But um, yeah, it's again, I essentially just add the weight, hop in there, add another weight, hop in there. And then I will typically try to take like 90 seconds, two minutes, well, at least two minutes actually before I get into my first work set. Um but yeah, on the flip side, again, like I try to sequence movements. Like I always, almost always like to put a, like a leg curl first and a lower body training day. If we're going to go into like a knee dominant movement next. So again, like a hack squat, um, as I always find like most people's knees will feel much better. And for a client who has like knee issues and it does take a long time, we'll probably do like your, um, like a leg curl and a leg extension, which would normally be part of the program, but maybe like before, maybe for another client, we would sequence that leg extension after that hack squat. In that situation, we probably sequence it before. So we can get in that volume. We can still train the tissue hard, but again, that shortened, like that extended, that uh, that shortened range of motion that we're really overloading there. It's going to be a good way to like bring a lot of blood flow to the area and still warm up the joint um and better prepare you to go into that next movement without us having to spend as much time like just warming up which is not going to be effective volume so to speak and then with the top set versus back off sets yeah very similar to what you said there's a lot of different ways to approach it i have used this i personally just use this so many different ways even with clients and like framed it differently like sometimes it'll be like both of these are to failure but your top set is going to be a heavier set then you're going to drop weight and that's going to be a back off set, but I've also called that exact, but go to the same RER, but I've also called that a down set. So it's again, like, I think like most everyone I've talked to's definition of it is different, but it's almost always like it's universally. We're either 
we're always pushing very hard on that top set. Sometimes it's a heavier set. And then sometimes that back off set is we're just going lighter, but we're still pushing the same, like to the same RAR target. And then sometimes it's actually like, Hey, we're just not pushing quite as hard, but we're still, again, maybe we're going to like one to two RAR versus zero. Anything to add there? No, I think it's just sometimes it's a way to accumulate more volume and more intensity. And sometimes um, it is for fun because <laughs> it just is something different than like three straight sets or four straight sets. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. All right. Well, that is all we have for y'all for today. As always, thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you guys next time.